people had traveled a long way to be there. We had people from Milwaukee, from Cleveland, um, lots of people from Cincinnati, all traveling to Indianapolis for this tryout because everyone just felt that strongly about being part of it. And it, and it showed in the play too. I'm Kate McInerney. I'm one of the captains of Indie Red. Hi, and I'm Nicole Quay. I'm one of the managers for Indie Red. All right, and I'm Bonesaw here, representing the Austin Torch and the Premier Ultimate League. And I just realized that I've been pronouncing Nicole's last name wrong for about six months. Uh, no worries, most people do. And it's Quay? eventually. All right, well, uh, welcome everybody to uh, Season 1, Episode 2 of the Premier Ultimate League podcast, sometimes known as The Pulp, sometimes known as The Pulpit. And uh, <laughs> although I've gotten several questions about have we figured out what the IT can stand for if we call it pulpit? And that could just end up being a running joke for the whole podcast, but do you guys have any answers to that? <laughs> or I'm not supposed to say you guys. Do y'all have any answer for that? Oh, man, I appreciate the inclusivity. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, Intelligence Troop, the Premier Ultimate League podcast. <laughs> Intelligence Troop? Love it. Ah, that's way better than anything I've come up with. What did you have? Which is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll put that out to the powers that be and see if Intelligence Troop goes for it. But I love it. Um, okay, so it's uh, Tuesday evening, and uh, I'm in Austin, Texas. Where are y'all? I'm in sunny San Diego for a conference. I'm looking at the San Diego Bay right now. It's beautiful. All right. And I'm at home in Cincinnati, Ohio. All right. So you live in Cincinnati, but the team that you're helping to run uh, is in Indianapolis. Yep. Actually, three out of four of our leadership live in Cincinnati. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So why don't we just start there? Let's, I mean, we're diving in. We're already recording. Why Indianapolis? Why you two? Give us a little backstory. Okay. So Indie Red was started last year as part of that whole um, grassroots women's league movement. Uh, we tangentially knew the leadership and we heard about the tryouts and Nicole, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but I think you and I both independently thought to ourselves, like, we are going to these tryouts come hell or high water. I want to be part of that. <laughs> well, actually, I heard about it from you. And as soon as I heard that, I said, absolutely. I think we were at a wedding and Kate said, hey, I have this idea. Let's go to the Indianapolis tryout and then drive to Michigan for the Riveters tryout. And, you know, without thinking, I said, yeah, let's do it. So yeah. we got a, on a road trip, and I think it was about 14 hours to make that loop, plus, you know, three hours of Ultimate at Indy and two or three in Michigan. So it was a it fun was an time. epic road trip. There were four of us, but yeah, it was a full car. So then how did that translate into, how did you, how'd you bridge that from last year and the games and everything into being in the leadership role this year and part of the organizing committee and all that kind of stuff? Uh, when Worlds came to Cincinnati... I was thinking, well, we have all this great information from surveys about the different rule sets we used. I don't want us to lose this information, and I really want to pass it on to the future next league. And so I, you know, got the emails from all the leadership of the teams from LP and Jackie, and I sent out emails to everyone, said, hey, if you're going to be at Worlds, come participate in this conversation we're going to have about the rules from last year and where we want to move forward. Uh, and so we had that conversation, and... I think after that, Maddie asked me, like, hey, do you want to be involved in this new league? And I said, sorry, Maddie, I don't really have time. I'm 
working full time and I'm in grad school. So I just, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but I would just love this information to be used and not wasted. Um, and then a few, I think weeks later, I noticed that, you know, we have to start getting ready for the next season. So I sent out feelers to Indie Red said, Hey, is anyone interested in leadership? Arranged a conference call just to get the conversation started. And before you knew it, I ended up getting nominated and elected. And then I couldn't say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the two captains of Indie Red who, who founded the team, Jackie Lai and Lauren Piantek, are LP, um, I, I think they poured so much of themselves into that first year that they, it wasn't easy for them to visualize how, to, how they could do it again. So they deliberately stepped aside both of them. I think LP actually um, moved somewhere else, although she's still very supportive. And they put up an election to the team. Um, and so all four of us now, we, we replaced the two of them with four people and we still feel like it's a lot of work and effort. So I don't, yeah, I can't even imagine how that must've been in year one. Well, y'all touched on something that I feel like comes up a lot. I know that the All Two World podcast talked about it and uh, it's a real issue that surrounds this kind of a, a thing that we're trying to do. Although it always kind of bugs me when people bring this part up, but whatever. Uh, and the question is, 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 you know, it's, there's always a lot of momentum in the beginning and it's hard to sustain it. And so they pointed to, you know, how the All-Star Ultimate Tour lasted two years and the Next Gen thing lasted a couple of years and then it just kind of fizzled. And so, you know, we're hearing the question, well, why is this different? And are teams going to, are people going to burn out? because it's such a big job. You know, a lot of people working on a volunteer basis or have jobs or grad school. Um, and my thought on, on it is, you know, th those two things for, are great examples of, of trailblazing, you know, um, experiment, not experiments, that, that seems to minimize them, but we'll just use experiments for now. But trailblazing events that happened that led to the next step, that helped lead to the next step and the next step. And I feel like the PUL is one of those big watershed next steps that maybe is one that lasts for a long time. And that, that just because they were didn't last more than two, three years, doesn't mean they were a failure, doesn't mean, you know, it, there's always a little negative tinge about that kind of a comment in my mind, even if it's not intended. But I will say that the issue is real. Like there is burnout, like we're just seeing here, not burnout, but it takes a lot of effort. So how are y'all hoping to combat that this year? Or, or what do you see, how do you see the PULs potentially being able to survive that? I mean, obviously it's uncertain, but I mean, just what do you think? Well, on the team level, so we're talking about long-term sustainability, right? Yeah. On the team level, we have already had a really astonishing number of people step up and say, how can I help? And so part of the leadership role is, is being willing to give up some of the control that you might otherwise have so that you can accomplish more with this diverse group of volunteers and people who are just really excited to help and be there. And we saw that play out in our tryout. Our first our first of three tryouts was just um, Sunday, a couple of days ago. And we had um, a squad of maybe 10 volunteers from the Indianapolis community who were happy to get up at, you know, seven in the morning and come set up, help set us up our fields. Um, they did scouting reports for us. They helped us with registration. Um, they helped us get the fields. It was like a whole long list of things that if we had tried to do it ourselves, we wouldn't have done it as well. 
And so it was basically an exercise in delegation. And I think that can apply to the whole league too. That it's kind of what the board and you are doing as commissioner Bonesaw um, is spreading the load and trusting that everyone has everyone else's interests in mind. I think that's a great point. And adding on to that, I think a big part of being in the leadership of a team is not just making sure the operations work, but it's also about creating buy-in from your teammates and inspiring them to take on more. I never imagined that I would be here, but I just, LP and Jackie gave so much to that team. I, I couldn't let their hard work go to waste. And that just made me want to step up. And so I really hope that through our giving everything we've got to this team, we'll inspire more people to step up also. Also, you know, if we create a good enough product and it works well enough, it will be easier to sustain as the roots get deeper and more well-established. So, you know, um, on the team level, it works for team level and on the league level, you know, we're just, it's very, a lot of things are very uncertain, but if we make it very, as successful as possible, and lean and something that's engaging and people want to keep being involved in those volunteers, I think will keep coming out and people will still buy the tickets. Um, and like I said, create deep enough roots so that our metaphorical tree can grow a long time here. Um, and, and I, I think that the things that, that, that came and went before this happened, you know, are what, you know, fertilize the ground for that. And maybe we're the fertilizer for the next thing. But, you know, either way, I feel like it's a success. And I know I'm talking like a super hippie here, but I'm kind of a super hippie. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of us are with you. Yeah. Okay. But um, there's that, that's one reason I think that the nonprofit model of the poll and of many of the teams involved um, is going to be potentially the difference maker because being a nonprofit and having a mission to serve the community makes people a little bit more willing to buy in and to donate their time and energy, which is needed. Um, I don't have a, you know, a profit and loss sheet that um, like a for-profit business might have that says, here's our plan for making all the money on this sport. And I, I don't have insight into how the AUDL or the MLU operated, but I've heard anecdotally that it, is it can be a struggle to turn a profit in those businesses. Um, so I'm, I'm happy for that reason. And also because I just feel really strongly about our mission, I'm happy that we are pursuing this nonprofit avenue. I couldn't agree more. I think that that is also the crucial issue or the crucial piece that I think makes this different where, um, the goal is not the profit. The goal is the mission. And, um, and that's really what that it sends. It also sends us the right message to start. Like this is what we're about, and it's pretty clear. It's pretty transparent, and it be hopefully benefits all. Y'all referenced your your three tryout model you have going on in different cities. Uh, I, I'm just out of curiosity on a team level. How'd the first round of tryouts go? What you know? What was it like? Um, it was a whirlwind. Uh, so speaking as the captain, it went really smoothly from my perspective. And I just want to reiterate that a lot of that had to do with the community assistance that we got from all those individuals. Um, but we had 50 people registered and then we had to, we had to close registration at that point. We just couldn't accommodate more than that. No kidding. Um, almost half of them had been to club nationals before, uh, which re really like raised 
I was surprised that it was that high of a of a ratio, but um, people had traveled a long way to be there. We had people from Milwaukee, from Cleveland, um, lots of people from Cincinnati, all traveling to Indianapolis for this tryout because everyone just felt that strongly about being part of it. And it and it showed in the play too. Everyone was everything went very fast paced. Nobody was like looking around saying like, what else could I be doing with my three hours? They were very focused. What do you think, Nicole? Uh, Well, speaking as a manager, it was such a luxury to be able to be just a player for a day. And it was one of among my favorite tryout experiences. I think it was really well-run and organized. Great job, captains. (laughs) And also, yeah, it was, I felt that same welcoming air that we felt the first time in Indianapolis and it was just a bunch of players who were working really hard. And it felt like there was a lot of sort of trust built in already in knowing that these are people who are pretty high-level players. And sometimes when you go to a club tryout, it takes a while to develop that. But I felt that much sooner in general than with Indy Red. Is there a coach established yet? Or was this all run by the captains? What's the model we do, so far? We have a coach. Um We've been a little bit low key on the coach announcement because we were we are trying to honor the whole professional model where you have, you know, contracts and some very like uh, specific commitments. And we don't have that yet. We aren't able to give our coach a game schedule yet, for example. Um, but our coach is Ryan Gorman, and he's a prominent player and leader in the Cincinnati community. I think probably everybody knows his name. Um, and yeah, he like did an amazing job. So he, he was the one kind of directing players during the tryout. Me and my fellow co-captain participated as players and Nicole, I know what you mean. It was, it was in many ways, a luxury to be the player instead of the player coach, which is how ultimate often ends up just, um, the people who, who are strong leaders are, are tend to be strong players too. Not necessarily a one-to-one correlation, but that's that's been my experience. And so, yeah, that was like a new and very awesome experience. Yeah, and I wonder if our listeners are also ask, thinking another question. Oh, another male coach. Why did we pick Ryan Gorman, Kate? Um, so we, I've been anticipating that question, and this is, it's something that I totally understand where that question comes from, but I also want to push back similar to that segment about don't judge me. I want to push back on the idea that there can't be men involved. Um, So using that as a baseline, like it is okay for men and women to work together on this effort. Um, My co-coach Sydney Oland and I had a a short list of vital criteria for a coach, including that they had high level experience leading women ultimate players, um, that they have a good relationship with the two of us and we're from different cities. So that one was, uh, we still had a long list, but that one was probably the most defining factor. And that they'd be excited and available to do it. So a lot of the people that we brainstormed who would be really good at this were also really good players and wanted to be on the team. Um, In the end, we ended up reaching out to three people. Um, Two of them decided that they just couldn't swing the the commitment level. and then Ryan Gorman was the one who took the plunge. So it was it was a pretty brave step. And kind of like you, Bonesaw, one of the first things he said was, well, like, 
how is this going to play out? I recognize that we want female leaders in this role if possible. And we told him like, we trust you. You have our respect and support and we are happy to tell anybody that. Did you think about having the team in Cincinnati this year or what was the decision like to, to keep it in Indianapolis? Sounds like you're, you're pulling from a bunch of different areas. I think the situation is something very similar to Rival Ultimate where the Midwest doesn't necessarily have a giant pull of qualified people to pull from. I mean, there are a lot of people, but it's going to be hard to compete against the Atlantas and the Austins uh, with just Indianapolis. Uh, and since there were some of us from Cincinnati, we thought we'd make our home base sort of those two cities and also see if we could uh, support both and draw resources from both. So we have to really thank the Indianapolis Ultimate Foundation, IUF, and the Cincinnati Ultimate Players Association, Koopa. Uh, both of them are sponsoring us this year. Oh, wow. So is that where the majority of the funding for the team's coming from? Is those disc organizations or is it also fundraising or what's the financial uh, model? So far, there's also a lot of fundraising going on, but so far they are our main two sponsors. Yeah. And I just want to reiterate that um, we did, the, the question came up that, um, you know, we have two cities happening here. Should we split up? Should we make two teams? And I think all of us from both areas were on the same page that, no, we really want to continue working together. Like this worked great. Um, and as Nicole said, from a pragmatic standpoint, we think it would be challenging to create a really competitive team from either city alone, but our forces combined are pretty stellar. I will say my only time playing in Indianapolis was we were on tour and I always try to find pickup games, you know, like in our off days or whatever with our band. But I looked up the IUF website and I found the game and it was a really hot day and we showed up there and we were the only three people there. <laughs> I was like, dang it, I really needed a game so bad. But the field ended up being right next to this crazy water park. And we went in to this water park and it was, you know, we were the adults and it was all kids, but whatever we needed. <laughs> anyway, I feel like this is a good time to insert our segment of don't judge me, but I don't get it. Don't judge me. I don't get it. Hey everyone, this is Maddie. I'm so happy to join this week just for a couple of minutes talking about some questions we've gotten about our commissioner. Um, and I thought this would be a great time to just use actually one of the questions we got in email um, and just respond to that question in a way to share with the world who Bonesaw is, why he's our commissioner and how that whole thing came about. Um, so you all know Bonesaw, he's our commissioner. You can find a little bit more about him on our website um, where his profile is listed. I think he's played ultimate for like six years, something like that. Correct. Um, and found ultimate through his wife, Colleen, who's a superstar um, in the Austin area and has coached, I think every person who's ever played ultimate in Texas, <laughs> yeah, that might be an exaggeration, but something close to that um, and has a long and, um, impressive playing career herself. And so I want to preface you Bonesaw with that, because I think your approach to Frisbee and to the women's pro league, I'm sure has been really influenced by Colleen and, and she's influenced us. She's influenced everyone on this committee actually. Um, so hello Bonesaw. Nice to meet you. Um, here, here we are talking about you and I wanted to give a little bit of background. So we got an email from 
Brittany Kaplan, um, asking a couple of questions. She says, after listening to the podcast, I am wondering why Bonesaw was chosen, chosen as the commissioner of the first women's pro league being a white man. Could that be addressed in the next podcast? Will there be opportunities for a non-man to be a co-commissioner or commissioner in training to create pathways to leadership in a pro atmosphere as y'all describe in your mission statement? This is a great question. Um, and I know Angela did have a phone call with Brittany that I wasn't able to be on. And so they did talk more in depth about this. So I wanted to respond to it. Um, and so why Bonesaw? So here we were putting this lead together, um, you know, doing a lot of work last fall in the winter. And it came time for us to think about hiring someone. Um, all along, I had been really impressed with Bonesaw. And I think a lot of folks had with his ideas and his um, business kind of know-how marketing and communications and social media and sort of tons of ideas kind of pushing them forward. And um, I, myself and a couple of other folks had come to this idea like, oh, maybe Bonesaw would be a good commissioner. And last, late last fall, kind of winter, December timeline, I floated that idea by Bonesaw. And he said, the first thing he said, do you remember this, Bonesaw? You're so. like, but I'm not a woman. <laughs> and I was like, that's true to my knowledge. That's true. Um, but um, I, but you would be great at it. And not that it doesn't matter because it does matter, but you would be great at it. And um, so then I think Bonesaw kind of started thinking about it and was like, maybe this is something that could happen. Um, and I won't speak for you, Bonesaw, but um, perhaps started kind of coming around to this idea. And um, our concern was if there was anyone else who wanted to apply. So we reached out to the couple of people who we thought we knew might want to apply for this position. And it seemed like they were not interested. Um, so with that kind of off the table, that allowed us to really consider like, is this something that might happen? Um, and then I'd like to turn it over to you, Bonesaw, to talk about what was that process for you going from, there's no way I could do this, I'm not a woman, to yes, this is something I might be interested in. Um, yeah, sure. Well, I, I uh, for me, it kind of progressed naturally from just like dipping my toe into this like last year, you know, thinking about like doing the torch and then in getting, launching the torch and working with a lot of the women and men in Austin and getting that whole thing going and being very involved in that and then coming getting to know other like you and everybody else and just the, the network kept going and my interest in involvement just kept growing. And, uh, I kept, I felt like I had a lot to contribute in that way. And then when y'all reached out about this potential league forming in the fall, um, you know, I was sort of uncertain how much time I had to give to it or what, whether I was, you know, just being asked to be involved as like a courtesy. I don't, I don't really know, but the same kind of thing. We just kept kept being involved in the calls and then um, really enjoying working with this group that was coming together and all the other folks who were in these calls and uh, just kept participating and, and really getting more and more uh, energized by the process and interested in it. And then you referenced that. And I, you know, my personal life, my, my band that I've been in for the last 18 years was wrapping up in October and, you know, we're starting a new, in, in an organic way, um, and then I was starting a new band that was really not going to be touring and whatnot till late summer of this year. So I had this long gap, you know, which would kind of coincide when we were talking about this season going when 
you know, where we've been writing music and not, not traveling as much and touring and whatnot. So my, my availability was there. And, um, I did talk to Colleen, my wife, and I talked to my brother who's in my band and they were, everybody was generally supportive. Um, and then little side note, this would have been my shout out later, but I talked to a, a mentor of mine and friend from when I was in high school, my photography teacher, Gabby Rusamanyu, also went to Smith like you. Uh, and yes. uh, she and I are very close and uh, I talked to her about it and um, she's just been a very powerful and influential figure and also a female figure in my life since I was, you know, 14 years old. And um, and she really encouraged me to do it and just kind of pushed me and was like, I mean, she just, you know, using a bunch of curse words, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yes, do it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> just fucking go for it. You'd be great. Like, and you know, and it got that got me really excited as well. Um and, and honestly, also, part of what made me really want to do it was I really was enjoying working with this organizing committee and working with some, like, really just badass people who, like, I felt like we're peers and just I felt like we're going to really inspire me. And I, I liked the dynamic of working with some really smart people. And it's way different than working in the music industry, which is a lot of dumb people. No offense to people <laughs> in the music industry. <laughs> Actually, yes. Yeah, no, it was it, it was different, and I really was feeling energized by working with y'all, honestly. Um, and I, I saw an opportunity for personal growth in that as well. And then also, I just I love this kind of stuff. I love being part of something new. I mean, how often does this kind of a an opportunity come along? It's like, wow, we're launching a professional, you know, sports league that also has this great additional mission to it. Um, you know, and I feel like it's a very important time in the world to do these kind of things. So there's a lot that went into it. Now I'm rambling, but, uh, for all those reasons and a lot more, I felt like I could, I could, I wanted to do it. Yeah. And I also felt that just my experience as part of like being in the real DIY grassroots band that had to figure out how to survive for 18 years in this like crazy industry could bring entertainment industry could bring a different perspective, non-Frisbee perspective to the this pro side of, of what we're trying to yeah. create here. Um, cause a lot of it's about promoting yourself, promoting your team, you know, finding sponsors, all these kind of things that I guess a lot of the ultimate, you know, elite ultimate players mm -hmm. don't have necessarily as much experience with like trying to get folks to games and get people to events. And I thought maybe I can help with that kind of that That's side right. of things. I had one, one foot in the Frisbee world and one foot outside the Frisbee world. That makes awesome. Sense. Yep. Anyway. Cool. <laughs> That's perfect. I mean, that's, uh, so that's exactly what we saw as well. Just kind of, you were bringing that already. Um, and we just wanted more of it. And so Bonesaw and I had that conversation. He decided to apply. His application was stellar. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, you know, written application with a whole proposal, you know, for the league, including, a. 25 to 30 minute video resume. <laughs> so I think we should post that at some point <laughs> for the whole world to share. I'll leave that up to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it became, yeah, really clear that part of it too, I think needs to be said that this is such a sort of delicate thing that we're doing. You know, we're, we're a bunch of people who are really committed and really want this to happen. Um, and it didn't feel like, I mean, just, it felt better to think about someone from sort of the inside leading this effort. Um, I don't say leading because the board is really leading it, but really pushing it forward and making it happen and having a lot of skin in the game and not just someone who was like, oh, this is a cool job. You know, not that anyone would have 
been that way, but um, someone who really had a lot of skin in the game, I guess, is the best way I can think of saying it. And um, this is our baby, you know, we've all just worked so hard on it and it felt like awkward to think about giving that away to someone who what hadn't been part of the last six months of really intense conversations that we had been having. Um, yes. And that being said, the second part of Brittany's question, um, there will certainly be opportunities for more leadership from outside and inside, um, the league. And for example, we know we're going to need more help. Um, so at this point, um, we are kind of looking for additional help in so far as once we make some money, we'll be able to hire some more folks. Um, that we know there's, um, for example, a need for help with media, help with marketing, help with fundraising, help with sponsorships. Um, so it's definitely more than one person can do by themselves. And it just, it will depend on sort of our budget and, how how fast how quickly we can grow um but nicole or kate do you have anything to add to that um returning to that original question about well why do we have a male commissioner for a women's league i i kind of want to address like all questions of that genre by just kind of like returning to the idea that nobody's trying to erase men here hmm. we want to create a space so that women can be uplifted and have the visibility that men have historically um, had given to them as more of a default, but it doesn't mean anything about like an all female world necessarily. Like we think both kinds of people or all kinds of people can work together. And that is actually like even better than just having one kind. Yeah. And I think this segment is a really good example of how Bonesa helps bridge that with the don't judge me, but I don't get it. <laughs> that sort of idea is exactly what we want to have to bring people in and make them feel included. And then the second part is I think Bonesa is also a master of operating in this gray space where there's nothing defined. And I think his band gives him some really great experience in that. Hopefully so. Thank. I mean, thanks for saying that. I, uh, I, I also want to just chime in like I'm, I'm, to some degree, I'm used to just balancing like a, a constant state of like uncertainty in my life, generally speaking, just by my general career choice. Uh, but it, I am, you know, I, I'm nervous in a lot, you know, like, well, I don't want to say something wrong. I don't want to represent the league the wrong way or say something if I just make a mistake or if I, you know, I'm nervous about making a mistake and then it coming back twice as bad because yeah. I'm a male in this leadership role. You know, but I'm also kind of worried that's part of the process, like of figuring out how everybody can collaborate on these kind of things better in the world and also in Ultimate. And maybe that can help. Um, and, you know, why I thought this segment would be cool as a recurring segment is, you know, to help uh, myself and others get over the hump of like being uh, scared, not scared, but, you know, cautious of dipping a toe in the conversation or encouraging more collaboration and help from all sides um, without the fear of getting like totally worked over on Twitter if you say something <laughs> wrong, you know, I don't know. Yep. Um, and also I just, one more tidbit is that I feel like one thing that made me want to move forward with it was that I, it, it, you know, same experience with the torch last year. Like I'm not in this because I want to be the leader. I think it's for me, I, I love doing the kind of behind the scenes stuff and these kind of, ideas and, and this kind of thing and it's a great opportunity to elevate the players 
that's the main goal and, and provide opportunities for, for, for people to watch. And my job is to elevate those things. It's not to be in front of those things. And uh, as long as I keep that in the right place, I feel like I should be okay. But I also have y'all to keep me in check if I am <laughs> like, hey, that was whatever. You know, if I misstep, I don't know. We have a lot of trust that we're all gaining as we work together more, which yeah. I think help makes, helps the whole thing work better. Well, and we've already made a ton of mistakes <laughs> and we'll, we'll make some more, you know? Um, so, and we'll all sort of have each other's backs and respond and apologize when we need to and, um, figure that out together. I think first of all, bone, so you should pay less attention to Twitter. <laughs> I'm just and making a joke. Second of all, <laughs> I know everyone actually listening should pay less attention to Twitter, myself included. But the second thing specifically around Brittany's point about leadership. And I think she's got a really good point um, that, you know, it's important to see women in positions of power. Um, and I think from our perspective, from the board's perspective, like it is majority, you know, women in the leadership positions on the board. For sure. um, and I also think that when people hear the word commissioner, I think they associate that with the AUDL. And I think our definition is a little bit different. So Bonesaw is not like leading this whole thing, you know, and we're all behind him. It's more like the board is leading this and we are paying Bonesaw to do a lot of the work because it's a ton of work that goes into it. Um, so I don't know, Nicole or Kate, if you have other thoughts on that, but it's just kind of my thought on the actual leadership is very women driven, women owned, you know, all of the teams have women co-owners. So um, or women representatives on the board. Um, so it's, that's an important thing to remember just from a kind of a visibility perspective. And maybe that's what let us or why we felt pretty comfortable with a man in this position because this whole operation feels very women-led. Do you want to touch on real quick her second question from Brittany? Oh, right. Yes. Uh, second question was, have you considered hiring an equity consultant? I would highly suggest reaching out to Chip Chang and Zara Kadu, who have run many equity trainings for Ultimate Groups, including AUDL teams, local discords, and USAU. Again, great point and great question. Thank you, Brittany. Um, yes, we have considered it. We've been talking about it this whole time. Um, so a couple things. One is that, as you heard on our last podcast, we are pulling together a steering committee um, that steering committee has two tasks. One is to um, provide advice and um, just advice, no decision-making, but just advice to the 2019 pilot season of poll. And then the second task is to take the learning from 2019 and undergo a process to determine what professional women's ultimate might look like in 2020 and beyond. And that's on that steering committee. We've invited um, several groups, one of which is upwind and we've spoken with Laurel Oldershaw and um, she's interested in participating in the steering committee. Um, hasn't given us the hundred percent confirmed, but it's about 99% confirmed right now. Um, and we have talked about um, also paying Laurel paying upwind to um, provide um her perspective and um, expertise from a gender equity consultant perspective, um, as well as doing some other stuff with the league. Um, and our, each team has also had their own sort of conversations with their own 
um, consultants locally. Um, so like, for example, Atlanta Soul, we've had our conversations and engaged folks to help us with language and things like that. Um, New York has had a, a, a lot of conversations as they were leading up to their tryouts and kind of what language to put on the website and things like that. Um, and so we plan on continuing working with those individuals as well. So we'll have kind of a league-wide um, sort of input and expertise from Upwind as well as the individual teams. Um, I personally don't know Chip and Zara, although I think I've met Zara at USAU, but I'm super impressed with everything they are doing just from following them on social media um, and would love to reach out to them. So Brittany, thank you for that suggestion. All right. Well, that's our segment of don't judge me, but I don't get it for this podcast number two. Maddie, thanks for joining us uh, and chiming in. Good to have your voice on the pod two weeks in a row. Yahoo. <laughs> You're welcome. See you later. All right, we're going to take one question here from our Instagram account. Uh, if you like Instagram, it's Premier Ultimate League on Instagram. Uh, this question is from L-I-L-P-O-N-I-T-Z. It says, asking for a friend, what rules would the will the poll play by this year? Our rules will be very similar to USAU in field size, uh, fouls, and picks being called by players. But some key differences will have to do with timing. Uh, we'll play with four quarters. And observers will be empowered to step in to help resolve conflicts faster. So all of the tweaks are made to help make the game more viewer friendly. This is a great time to give a shout out to our three presenting sponsors for the Premier Ultimate League. We have Discraft, VC Ultimate, and Spin Ultimate. Make sure to check them out on our website and on their own websites and give them a follow. And speaking of VC Ultimate, we're adding a new element to the podcast this time. It's going to be a product of the podcast. So every podcast or every other podcast, maybe, we're going to have a new uh, league piece of merchandise that will be available on the VC website, which will help fund the league. So uh, Nicole is going to, why don't you tell us about this week's uh, product of the podcast by VC. The product of the week is the Premier Ultimate League non-binary VC jersey, which is made from their FlexLite material. If you haven't tried VC's FlexLite jerseys yet, you're missing out. They're like wearing a cloud. This full jersey is the first green printed release on their new non-binary style. In initiative, VC has launched to promote inclusivity. There you go. I mean, you know, the thing is, on a podcast, there's really no great way to read a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that felt very cheesy. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. I thought it was great. But great. I want to wear a cloud. <laughs> I would also like to wear a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not to laugh during that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, go go check that out. If you want to get one of those, help support the league. Uh, it's going to be on our website. Uh, premierultimately.com and also on the VC website, vcultimate.com. And uh, also shout out to our other two sponsors, like you said, Discraft Ultimate. We're going to be getting those custom discs pretty soon, which you can get at the games or also on the VC website. And our other presenting sponsor, Spin, who's really involved in the live stream side of things. So you'll have to wait till the season starts to really see their logo pop up a lot. But uh, they've been huge as well for us. Um, so speaking of shout outs, we, we are, uh, we're going to wrap up all of the podcasts with an episode of shout outs. So Without further ado, shout outs. I have to shout out to IUF and Koopa, who I mentioned already, our Indie Reds main sponsors. Um, my shout out is to all the Indianapolis volunteers, um, including Emily Beasley and her volunteer squad who helped us with tryouts. Yeah, y'all are keeping it local. How about a couple more? Well, also local is LP and Jackie, 
none of, I would not be here. I don't think Kate would be here uh, without their leadership and vision for this team. And I want to shout out to Maddie Fry and Angela Lynn, who we heard on the last podcast, um, for getting all of this stuff off the ground. If I can yeah. paint a picture yeah. as someone who joined the board um, a little, like just a few weeks ago, um, I got to see everyone working together really well. And because we do video calls, even when it's not strictly necessary, you kind of get to know people. And so one of my favorite parts of these calls, Angela, forgive me, is seeing Angela in her hoodie in the call, just kind of like lurking in the background. And then she just drops some like knowledge bombs about liability insurance. And it's all, like the contrast there is always one of my favorite parts. My shout out. Uh, I already sort of referenced in the other segment, but is uh, a mentor of mine, Gabby Russomano, not an ultimate person in no way related to ultimate, but a, like I said before, a very strong presence in my life, regardless of gender and helped encourage me to, to more fully engage in this project. So I want to thank her for helping with this for me. Um, and I guess I had one more question to wrap this up. Nicole, you've become something of a legend for your, the meetings that you run here. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> and somehow walking so this true. incredible fine line of like, just like keeping everybody really in line, but being also the most polite person I think maybe I've ever met. Tell us about that process for you. What, what What's the deal? How do you do it? <laughs> uh, well, thank you for that shout out last meeting or last podcast that really made me laugh. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I guess I've always been a stickler for being on time. Like if you ask my college teammates, I always made this run being late and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I, I think agendas are important and there's so much stuff that we need to cover so much ground that if we aren't careful with our time and we let tangents go crazy, we aren't going to be as focused or we're not going to get as much done. So I, uh, yeah, enjoy structure. <laughs> well, it's certainly paying off on the organizing committee, as we'll see in our calls tomorrow and the next night. All right. Well, check us out on PremierUltimateLeague.com. You guys have, you guys, darn it, y'all have another tryout coming up in Cincinnati. That's not this weekend, but next weekend, correct? Yeah, it's next weekend. And you know what, Bonesai, you've been correcting yourself by saying y'all for you guys, which I appreciate. And I found myself doing that at tryouts too. I was calling people ladies, and then I thought, there's no need for that. So we started trying to call them athletes. So it's, you know, it's continuous improvement. <laughs>